0: Nice to have you back with me here today at Renewal. Today, my guest is Justin Kuiper. Justin is a funeral director and funeral supervisor at can Tell Me Long Funeral Home here in Bethlehem. I'd love it, Justin, if you could give us a little background information about yourself and answer the question on my mind and possibly lots of other people's minds, how does one decide to go into funeral direction as a career?
1: Well, hello, everyone, and, and thank you for having me today. Um, I first decided I wanted to be a funeral director when I was a sophomore in high school. Um, my great-grandmother had passed away, and it was the first experience that I ever had with with death and grieving in a funeral. And um, I remember going through the whole process, and something, when I was on the way in procession to the cemetery for her, I, something just hit me, and I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And I remember telling my parents and they were like, oh, okay, you know, you know, really think about that and think, (laughs) you know, just think over all your options. And I said, I don't know. I just feel I feel like this has a special place in my heart that I could really help people. Um, And from that moment on, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. I shadowed a local funeral director. Um, I also went to the mortuary program at Northampton, uh, shadowed there to see kind of the science aspect of the job a little more. And I I ended up falling in love with it. So after I graduated high school, I knew that this is what I wanted to do. And I put my mind to it. And here I am. It's seven years later now. So, yeah.
0: That's quite a gift, figuring out what you want to do at that uh, tender young age of 15 or 16 years old.
1: It was, certainly. And for me, I kind of had to a, a mature and grow up a little, little quicker than a lot of my friends because... Uh, the mortuary degree, it's only an associate's degree, so it was two years. And you know, the college years they always say are the, the most fun and best years of your life. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if this is what I want to do, I need to just put my mind to it. And that's what I did. And I, I'm very happy with the decision I made.
0: I can tell, um, it's, it, it's you have a certain kind of countenance, a glow about you talking you. about it. I think it's lovely. Thank you. Um, I think this is kind of a moot question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you do you think of this chosen profession as a spiritual profession, and do you feel that you were called, if you will, to this profession?
1: I definitely do. Um, you know, it wasn't. People always ask me this, and I say, yeah, I didn't just wake up one day and was like, oh, let me think about doing this today. It was. The day of her funeral, I just knew that this is what I wanted to do. And I don't really know how to describe it, but I I just knew that I was put on this earth to help people, and, and that's what I love doing, and that's what I enjoy doing, and I'm, I'm happy that I can share share my knowledge and share my guidance at a time when it's most vulnerable in people's lives.
0: Yeah. So we, we call that... Um the intervention of the Holy Spirit around yes, here. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. It, it, seems very, it seems very clear to me, especially um, for such a young person yes. deciding so quickly and so emphatically and not, seems like you didn't really waver.
1: Right. Exactly. And, it, you know, when I sit with some families, they'll always say that to me. They said, you know, you just seem to have, have a gift. There's just something about you that you know that this is what you want to do mm-hmm. and you enjoy doing it. Um, whenever I sit down with a family, the first thing I do is try to put myself in their position. I treat every family that I serve as if they were my own. Um, because if I was in their shoes, that's what I would want. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want somebody that can be overbearing. You just want somebody to to be that guidance and be that light when you need it most.
0: And there's that word too, serve. Yes. It's a servant leadership role. It is. Absolutely. I get, it. I get a sense of that from you as yes. well. Um. Let me ask you a couple of more pointed questions here. Yeah. What What is on your mind when you get a call that someone has passed and your services are needed?
1: So when I first get the call that someone has passed away um, and I'm on the phone with the family, the one thing that I do is I try to get as much information as I can um, without being too much because everything just happened. Um, so. You know, the main thing for me is learning the person's age. Um, age has a big thing to do with it. Um, when it's somebody older that passes away, a lot of the time their families are looking to, to more so celebrate their life and honor them. Whereas if it was somebody that may have been younger or they passed in a tragic manner, um, you know that this is going to be, it's going to be harder for the families. It's something they weren't prepared for at all. Um, whereas a lot of passings that we see, most people are prepared for them in a sense. Um, so that's the first thing after that. And we set the appointment, um, leading up to it. I just try to be as prepared as I can when we sit down to go over the arrangements. Um, I don't like having a family have to be at the funeral home for the arrangement process too long. I like to try to, to make it short, make it simple because nobody wants to be there So um, I try to just make sure that we can sum everything up and be that guidance that they need. Most people don't know where to turn, what to do, or things that they think of as well. And, you know, if somebody will tell me, you know, oh, my mom loved um, the Lifesaver mints, and she always had them in her purse. I remember when I first started out, we had a, a lady's funeral, and her daughter told me about the mints, and I said, well, let's hand them out at the funeral. You know, so being younger in this profession, one thing that I try to bring to each family that I serve is more of that celebration of life aspect and doing small things at the funeral that make it unique to the person that mm-hmm. passed. So we actually had, had her mom's purse in the back of the room with the mints kind of spilled out of it onto the table. And as everyone walked in, they just, they all kind of chuckled a little bit because they knew that, that this was yeah. her.
0: It's, uh, it's funny that you mentioned mints. Um, when I lost my mom, um, you know, those ubiquitous mints there in every funeral home that yep. you've. And it was such, such a traumatic time, such a difficult time for me in my life that I, I cannot even look at one of those mints yeah. anymore. I mean, yeah. My husband used to always keep them in the house. And every once in a while, I'll see one, or two, one in the house and I'll say, Get those funeral mints out mm-hmm. of this mm-hmm. house. Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that experience. Stays with you. It does, and it you can your memory of that experience can be triggered so quickly. Oh yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think one one important thing that I I always try to remember is it is a home. It's a funeral home. I think there's a lot of funeral homes nowadays that you know they're becoming more so like a business in a sense. So the same question we went back to is you know when I first get the call it's. We're inviting them into our home, you know, so we want them to be as comfortable as possible. There are certain things about funeral homes that every funeral home has, but you want it to be warm, you want it to be inviting as it can be at this time, and just so everyone's comfortable, and that's that's my main goal from the beginning, is making sure our families are comfortable and they have what they need at their time of need.
0: Do you, when you're going through the process to become a funeral director, do you go... Um, into grief counseling information or any classes about that? Or do you do that on the side for yourself?
1: Yeah. So when we were in the mortuary program um, at Northampton, we had a few classes on kind of the, the psychology behind grieving and death. Um, when I sit down with a family and they ask me questions, I kind of try to provide them more guidance um, as to where to go because I'm not, you know, a grief counselor. Um,
0: And they're with you for a a few hours. Right,
1: right, right. So I I try to help them as best as I can, and sometimes it's really just listening. That's all they need. They just need someone that's going to sit there and listen and kind of take it all in, and then from that point guide them where they need Mm -hmm. to go or give them ideas for the services or or any way that you can help. Um, But I always say, you know, I'm not a... I'm not the counselor, I'm, I'm not the attorney. You know, mm-hmm. there's certain things that as a funeral director, um, you guide them, but you don't overstep as well.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. so before we started recording and we were chatting, mm-hmm. I was saying that, um, you know, pe- some people who know me think I'm a little cuckoo, but I, very few things I, and I shouldn't use the word enjoy, but there are very few things that are as meaningful to me as a good funeral. Or you know a, a wake visitation, I find it to be just so often inspirational and um, spiritual, as much as going to mass or or a religious service. And I know with what has happened in the last two years, a lot of people have missed have missed that. We have not had the ability to go and go through the rituals of saying our goodbyes and doing the things our families have done for generations, how, how has that affected the people coming to you and how has it affected you?
1: Yeah, so, so over the pandemic, um, especially in the beginning of the pandemic when there were the restrictions on the gathering sizes, um, we really had to get creative in what we were doing for services. And one of the first services that we had during COVID where we got creative, was my grandfather actually passed away from COVID. And I remember being at the hospital right after he passed. And I was thinking in the back of my mind, we can't do what I know my grandmother's going to want to do right now. And um, I, I called the owner of the funeral home, uh, Dino can't tell me. And he was like, well, let's think about some things and see what we can do. And at our Linden Street location in Bethlehem, we were offering drive through services. Um, we were doing live streaming of funerals. We were doing anything that really could help bring people together, even though you couldn't be in the same room or be together. Um, we still have some families that they haven't had any services. They, they're still waiting um, until everyone can be together and be comfortable wow. together. And I, I stay in touch with those families over time, and they don't have any closure. A funeral helps to bring closure to the family. Um, as much as the funeral is for the person who passed and honoring them, the purpose of the funeral is for the living. It's a way to honor them, and it does bring you closure. And when I finally have services for somebody that I could have passed a year or two ago, the family at the end, it's, it's almost like a breath of fresh air that they can breathe now, and they They close that chapter, Mm -hmm. and it can kind of help them move on a little bit, um, because we all do have to move on. Uh, You know, the pain of the loss will never go away, because it just shows how much you love that person. Um, But we all have to, in some way, get back to our normal normal selves as much as we can after the loss. So I just think sometimes, um, I don't even know, I don't even really know how to put it sometimes, but the the pandemic and when people don't have a funeral or, or someone may be you know cremated and they're mm-hmm. they're scattered and you don't have that resting place at a cemetery um, it's hard for families and I've seen it with families and you know that's seems to me to be the families that need the most help when it comes to grief counseling and mm-hmm. things um,
0: I lost an uncle at the beginning of COVID yeah. um, in New York he was um, living in New York City mm-hmm. in the Village and we actually um, we were unsure of what was going to happen, right. and he was cremated. And um, not, not to sound flippant or anything about it, but he's still in my sister's dining room mm-hmm. because the family still cannot all gather. Right. We did gather right. outside. Fortunately, it was the summertime, right. and we were able to yeah. gather together as a family, but not at any uh, cemetery for any formal. Goodbye. Right. So that's still, you know, almost two years now, still hanging yeah. over us. And I know we're not alone. I, I've always found that word um, closure to be I don't want to say misused, but misunderstood. Or and maybe that's because in my back to my own loss, um, I still don't feel any closure with my mom's loss, and it's it's been several many years right. now, eight right. years now. And so I've always thought, gee, I wonder, I wonder what that actually feels like to close the door on that chapter. Right. Or, or, or maybe it doesn't even mean that.
1: It doesn't I mean, mean it. It's, I mean, it's, it's really kind of how I just stated it before, where it's the, the pain of the loss mm-hmm. will never go away. But at the end of the day, that's how much you loved that person. And when you lose someone significant, like your mother or your spouse or a sibling, that's it's something that you're always gonna live with, and in the back of your head, you know, you could be walking down the street one day and say you smell your mom's perfume or something, and it's those little things that it's okay to cry. I think so many people, when someone passes away, they try to hold in their emotions and they try to be strong for each other. And Not this girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be sitting with a family, and you know, if there's say there's six kids and. You know, one of the kids gets to the funeral home before the others. They'll be like, yeah, I have to be the strong one for everyone. And I'll sit with down with all of them and I say, it's, it's okay to cry. It's okay to laugh. You have to let your emotions out a little bit. And there's nothing to worry about when you do that. You don't, you know, you're not going to upset anybody. It's, that's how much you love to the person. And that's what will help you through the grief process.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You are in... Very close proximity, the closest of proximity to people at the saddest and um, often the most devastating time of their lives. I know you were talking a little bit before, I just want to circle back before I get to this point um, about the difference in when you get a call from someone who's elderly, an elderly Mm -hmm. grandmother has passed or their mom has passed, and that's the natural sort of occurrence of life or. on the other end of the spectrum, a, a young person who's died suddenly um, or in some kind of devastating manner. Um, I know there's a difference between complicated and uncomplicated grief and the younger more is more complicated mm-hmm. grief for some people. Right. And you are um, absorbing all of that kind of all day, every day. Correct. Correct. Um, how do you unabsorb it? <laughs> how, do you, how do you let it go? Do you mm-hmm. let it go? What do you do to bring only the joy back in your life? Not that being a funeral director isn't joyful for you. I can see in your countenance when you speak about it that it is. But, but how do you actually grab onto the right. joy in life mm-hmm. when, when this is so much a part of who you are?
1: So th- there's a quote that I saw once, and it was, um, if you... You find a job that you're very passionate about, you'll never work a day in your life, and and that's one that I can really relate to the most. Um, but when I get a call, whether it's for for a baby that has passed, a young child, uh, you know, someone in their, their teen years, I mean, since I've been a funeral director, there's you know friends of mine that I have graduated high school with that has passed, and I've um, had services for them or young children, and as a funeral director, I don't, you are that support system at the time, but we're also people. So I, I sit with families, I cry with some families, I laugh with some of them. Um, and I think a lot of families can relate more to you when they see that you're a normal person. Um, there's some funeral directors I met, and, you know, they were great funeral directors, but they're also very, very cold, in a sense. Um. And I'll be, I've been at the cemetery and being a graduate from Liberty, you have the bagpipes. And I think there's just something about the bagpipes that they just fill you with emotion. And I may not know the person, Mm -hmm. I've just been handling things with their family and I'll be at the cemetery, everyone's crying and you look over and so am I. And I, I think that that's okay because it's a way for me to kind of renew myself in that sense. Um when I'm not working and when I am off, um, I really try to spend time with my family, my friends, people that bring joy to me. Um, but just sharing, sharing what I do at work with some of my close friends and family members, whether it would be something that you know was done at a funeral service that I thought was so unique or something that people came up with, it just kind of helps me to, to release some of that at times. Um, when you have a loss that it was a young child, those are more stressful. Um, They certainly are because the families want everything to be perfect. And we try to do everything that we can to make it perfect for them. But from the moment that I start speaking with them until after services, one thing I do is just make sure I'm myself. I never try to be you know, more more professional or more business like. I just am myself, and that's what people can relate to more so. And I think doing that helps me to release that and renew myself as I'm working. So when I am off, I don't really have to focus on doing anything specific that'll help me. Um, kind of do it every moment of my
0: day. That's a really that's a really cool take on that Thank because you. almost always when I ask that question, and even when I. Think about that question for myself. The answer is, I do something different. Right. right. I I mm-hmm. go elsewhere. I do mm-hmm. something different, and then I feel filled up again to go right. and tackle this one more time. Yeah. And this is you're the first person that I've spoken to, and I love this that mm. you are constantly filling yourself just just by being yourself. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You have what to. A, what and a beautiful thing that thank is. You. And you know my. The owner of the funeral home, Dino, can tell me he he was a big part of that for me. Um, from the beginning when I first started out. You know, when you're you're in school for for any job or any career that you're gonna be going into, until you start doing it, you don't know all of what's entailed or all of what it's like. And there would be times when I was kind of being overly professional and, and Dino would always remind me, he's like, just be yourself. It'll all be okay. Just be yourself and That stuck with me and I still do it today because as I'm sitting with a family and it could be a long day or, you know, it could be a very stressful situation that we're in at the moment, crying with the family, laughing with them, just talking to them, all things aside from the funeral, that helps me to release my emotions and kind of at the end of the day just feel more accomplished and more rewarded that I provided that for
0: someone today. That's, uh, what a mentor, what a wonderful mentor he has been to you. Yes. Have you been with can Tell Me since the beginning? Since the beginning. Wow. Uh,
1: so I, I started out when it was um, the Long Funeral Home. I started out there, and I was still a student in mortuary school at the time. Um, then the can Tell Me family from Fountain Hill purchased mm-hmm. um, the funeral home on Linden Street. So we have the two locations now. And um, from the beginning, I've been there, and I knew being a funeral director, I wanted to be able to serve the community where I grew up. Um, when I sit down with families, I may not know the person who passed. I may not know the family, but I'll be sitting with them and we have mutual connections or they may know my grandparents or they knew my great grandparents. And it's kind of more of a, an icebreaker in a sense with families when you sit with them because when you're sitting with them at a vulnerable time like this, it's hard to relate to some sometimes. So being able to kind of make that small conversation, and they'll be like, oh, you know, where did you go to high school? Things of that nature, and I may know the the grandchildren of the, you know, I'm bearing their grandparents.
0: Sure, you're a local, so, you're a local guy. <laughs> you're a
1: local guy, so you have some of those little connections that help. And for me, that's more rewarding because being somewhere like a funeral home for an extended period of time, I've been there seven years now, and in my seventh year. I'm starting to have those those repeat families, families that I served when I first started out. And when they call me directly or they call the funeral home and ask to speak with me directly that someone else in the family has passed, I really know that, you know, I, I provided something to them that really stuck with them all this time. And um, that's what I find most rewarding. And even when I have a situation like that, that to me is renewal. Yeah, It's just, you know kind of putting in my mind that what I am doing is actually helping people. Um, There are some times when, you know, it can be, it can be very, very busy. Um, For example, during the pandemic and, you know, you can get overwhelmed in a sense, but I just always remember that at the end of the day, these families, I I treat them all like they're my own. And when I'm on the phone with a family or meeting with a family, I make them try to feel like they're, they're the only family that I'm working with at the time.
0: You are part of, um, part of their story and part of their, part of the, mo- one of the most important stories that anybody has in their life is the story of how they cared for their loved one right. at the time of their passing. Now, I'm, I'm sorry, it gets me, it gets me very emotional because it does, it just brings it all, brings everything back to everyone. That story, we all, we all have a story like a, a, about a funeral home yeah <laughs> um and, and you'll be part of mine someday <laughs> like it like it or not uh. <laughs> so, if you're still I can't tell me mm-hmm. someone will come to you and say this was a request remember that time you did that podcast <laughs> um thank you justin you're this welcome is- this has really been a lovely time, and I hope to have you back again someday. Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Really, really appreciate it. Thank and, you um, so best of luck uh, to you in everything, and um, thank you for thank you for the grace extended here today. Absolutely. Thank much you. it. God bless. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Renewal, the podcast of St. Francis Center for Renewal. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and you can get more information at www.stfrancisctr.org.